Hi, my name is Irfan Vafai. And I'm Molly Keck. And I'm Wizzy Brown. And we are with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension through the Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. This week, we are talking about wasps. They start becoming active in the spring and they go clear through fall, but people are really concerned about them because wasps are capable of stinging. Only the female wasps can sting. The stinger is actually a modified egg-laying structure called an ovipositor. And while they are capable of stinging, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad. They're also beneficial. The first one I want to start with are the paper wasps. These, I think, are probably the most commonly encountered. Do you guys agree? Definitely. I think so. These are the ones that they build that paper nest, and it's usually really inconvenient locations by the front door, a lot of them in mailboxes. Have you guys seen the stuff going around the internet about putting dryer sheets in your mailbox to avoid having wasps build their nests in there? I have not. I haven't, but I have heard before about dryer sheets for mosquitoes that that's supposedly supposed to repel them. So I guess now it's switched to wasps. (laughs) People are going to do whatever they can, right? What's the thinking there? I'm not sure. Maybe it smells. And so the wasp doesn't want to go in there. I am not exactly sure how that would work, but there's no science. behind. Yeah. We're saying there's no science. There's no data to support that it actually works. There is no data that I could personally find that actually shows that it works, but apparently this is the the latest and greatest of the internet recommendations (laughs) for insect control. (laughs) Amazing. Incredible. With paper wasps, I find they are the ones that people seem to be most afraid of, especially the the red wasps. So with paper wasps, they are a reddish brown color and some of them have yellow stripes. Do you guys find that the red ones are more aggressive than some of the other ones? Because I always seem to get that type of comment from someone. I think the red ones are just more common. I mean, there's a bunch of different species of even those red ones, but I think they're just maybe more common and that's why more people seem to be stung by them and they're bigger than those little brown ones. So maybe that's why, but I mean, I don't think there's any reason why they would be more aggressive than the other ones. I agree. Irfan, have you had any experience with these? The last time I was stung by a a wasp was like five years ago and I wouldn't consider it aggressive because it had inadvertently disrupted its nest. And apparently they don't like that. They don't like you messing with their babies. Uh, (laughs) We can maybe relate as humans. I don't know. But uh, that was the last time. And then before then, I don't remember the last time I was stung. So I I don't know that I'd consider them particularly aggressive. And when I was stung, I don't think I actually saw what kind of wasp it was at the time. So I can't really even provide any anecdotal evidence of saying which one might be more aggressive. That's a good point though, because those social insects are at their most aggressive when you mess with their home. If you see them like foraging on flowers or just flying around, then there's no reason to panic or if they're around a trash can, but you do want to be careful when they're associated with their home, because that's when they're going to do something to try to get you away from it. And it's not only their home, right? It's also where they're raising their young. Their babies. Yeah. So like if their nest is above your child's swing, that's maybe considered like a concerning spot. 
Okay. I, I'll be right back. I need to put some dryer sheets on his. <laughs> <laughs> With paper wasps, they make that paper nest out of chewed wood fiber, but theirs is going to be an open nest. You can actually see all the wasps crawling around on there. And so that makes it somewhat easy to control them when they're in locations that you need to. I don't really do anything to paper wasps unless their nest is somewhere like on my kid's playscape or somewhere that it's going to cause a real issue. People freak out when it's on the eve of their house. That's way up in the air. It's not going to bother anybody. I mean, if you're allergic to them and there's a health risk there, then I think a human life is much more important than that wasp's life. But if they're not bothering you, then just live and let live. And they are beneficial. These are insects that are collecting other insects from the landscape to feed their baby. These can be beneficial insects. It's just that they can also be considered a pest when they're in locations that they can sting. Right. And they're also pollinators. So they kind of give you a double whammy. They help control those caterpillars in the trees and help your plants grow too. So yellow jackets kind of make a papery type nest as well. Are they considered paper wasps? What differentiates a paper wasp from a non-paper wasp? Well, it's two different types of nests. With yellow jackets and hornets, they also make a paper nest, but theirs is enclosed. There's going to be a single opening, usually towards the bottom of the nest for them. The cool thing is if you, which I don't recommend you doing this when it's active, but if you actually get rid of all the wasps and you cut that nest open, there's actually layers that look like the regular paper wasp nest inside of the yellow jacket nest. It's just that it's kind of this enclosed football shaped papery nest. They're actually really cool looking. Like a pinata. The other thing that people get confused about is yellow jackets versus hornets. And those are actually, they're different species, obviously, but they're pretty much the same. It's just hornets usually refer to the wasps that make the enclosed paper nest in aerial locations and yellow jackets are the ones that make them underground or in some void. Yes. People all the time. And I grew up the same way where I called the, the paper wasps that make the naked exposed nest under the eaves of your house that are kind of brownish or they're not really not black, but you know, from afar, they can appear black and yellow striped. I grew up calling those yellow jackets, but they're not. The true, what we have, I think, are the southern yellow jackets in Texas, but those are void dwellers under the ground, like you mentioned, or in some little hole. I've even seen them build their nest inside of those carved out gourds that you use for little bird feeders, anything that there's a hole in. They are different than those exposed ones, and they're much, much meaner. And so that's just kind of the problem with common names, right, is that we call a lot of things the same thing, and it can be very confusing for someone who knows what they are and are trying to help you figure out how to control these yellow jackets in the ground when you're saying, but they're not in the ground. What is this person talking about? (laughs) So hornet. Above ground, enclosed nest, yellow jacket, below ground, and or enclosed area, closed nest, and then paper wasps, open nest, usually above ground, also aerial. Can they be in the ground? I've never seen them in the ground, but I've seen them on trees or like in bushes. So above the ground, but not necessarily high up above the ground. Is there like an order of aggressiveness for from hornet, yellow jacket, and paper wasp? Well, I've never encountered a hornet, but I would say yellow jackets are more aggressive than paper wasps just because there are more of them. So when you 
mess with their nest, there's going to be 60 to 100,000 coming out to get you. Whereas there's in a good sized paper wasp nest, there's 100. Okay. The tricky thing with the yellow jacket nests, especially the ones that are under the ground and not in the void space, if you're mowing and you run that sucker over, it's bad news. So (laughs) you really need to run and get into an enclosed space as soon as you possibly can. Or you just keep that mower over the hole maybe, or what's the, well, they're going to be flying out. You, you know, you might be able to keep the mower there, but you still need to run (laughs) because wasps are capable of stinging you more than one time. And when you're talking about yellow jackets, there's thousands of wasps in that nest. Yeah. It could be really, really dangerous pretty quickly. Yeah, just don't mow where yellow jackets are. Don't weedy, don't drive your car over it. You hear about like honeybees killing people, but I wonder if a lot of times it's actually yellow jackets out in fields where someone's with their tractor because they can just sting you multiple times. And the human body, even if you're not allergic to it, the human body can only tolerate so much venom inside of it. The other thing with the yellow jackets, they're much, much smaller than the paper wasps. They're only about half an inch. So they're about the same size as a honeybee and they are yellow and black colored. So I I agree with you that I think a lot of them are going to possibly be mistaken for one another. Yes. So the other one that makes a paper nest is completely different than the paper wasps and yellow jackets. And I'm going to say these are not aggressive, but you know, last time I went out to look at a nest of these, I got stung, <laughs> but I was messing with their home. So was, you're like messing what was inside. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I need a, I need a closer picture. Hold on. <laughs> Don't do this at home, kids. These are the, the Mexican honey wasps. And Molly, I know that you have dealt with these a lot. They're more common in southern parts of Texas, but they are starting to move north. I know that we have them here in central Texas now, and they seem to be becoming more common. You want to tell people a little bit about the Mexican honey wasps? Because they're really cool. They are. They're, I guess of all the wasps, they're my favorite favorite little wasps and they're super duper common, but you just don't notice them. They're a very, very small wasp. I think that they're only about the size of maybe like a a house fly, maybe a little larger than that as far as length goes. So very, very small. So unnoticeable. But since I have known what they look like when I'm at plants and there are things pollinating it, I'm always surprised even in an urban environment where I spot the Mexican honey wasps. And they are really common in the South. They're native to Central America, uh, Mexico. That's how they get their name and have been found in the Valley for a really long time. And they're not only pollinators, but they're also great predators of the insect, the psyllid that transmits citrus screening. So they're a really good insect to have around. And they've just kind of been migrating and moving up north. And I wouldn't be surprised if they have them where you are, Irfan, or even in Dallas. But people notice them because they make these round basketball or maybe even football shaped spheres up in the tree. And it's different than a hornet's nest. If you remember Winnie the Pooh, how he was always getting into the honey, but those were really not honey beehives. It's kind of weird what they showed, (laughs) but a hornet's nest kind of dangles from like a single spot. And the Mexican honey wasps make their nest all entwined in little branches and big branches. And so it's like chain link where it's so strong with the just multitude of tiny little branches that hold it up there. But when the trees go bald in the winter time, or again in the springtime, when the live oaks 
push out the old leaves for the new ones, people look up and they, they're shocked at this giant, what they call a hornet's nest usually. And it's probably been there. It started probably the spring prior and it was there for months and months and you never noticed it and they never bothered you before. So I usually say, just leave them alone unless you're planning on trimming that tree or climbing up there for some reason. But as long as you don't do something dumb, like spray water on them or go climb up in the tree and try to shake them out of there, they'll live above your head happy and you'll live below them just happy. When they're low, and you're going to be walking in front of that bush, you might want to get rid of them. But they're a really, really cool, fairly gentle wasp. They're wild animals, so you never know when they're going to be nice or not. But I have had lots of stories of people that have cut them out. I knew a volunteer who, I think he volunteered at a park and he was going to relocate this nest. And he cut it out of the tree on a cold day and put it in a trash bag and didn't cinch it up all the way and put it in the backseat of his car and drove to wherever he was going to replace it. And in the meantime, the sun came out and it started to heat up that bag. And so he's just driving with these wasps buzzing around. So he was messing with their home, but they still didn't find him for whatever reason to be the threat. He's just driving down the road with this nest behind him. And he never got stung. I'm all curious to know where they were going. They were going to free ride. Maybe so. yeah. They were excited. <laughs> Road trip. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend they're, it. They're called honey honey wasps. I mean, do they have honey? They that do. One could potentially harvest or is that not encouraged? I've never <laughs> tasted the honey. It should just taste like regular honey, but every hive I've ever been given is doused in chemicals. So I don't really want to eat it, but it's, it's really hard to harvest their honey because it is a paper nest. So it gets really dirty. Whereas mm -hmm. with um, honeybees, it's wax. And so it's very easy to filter that wax out. Yeah. So I think that like indigenous people, native Americans probably consume that honey, but it's just, it's not clean and easy to get out of there. Like honeybees. And so people don't do it commercially because it's too much of a hassle. Makes so sense. essentially, yeah, we're lazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have a lot of grit in there, I think, if you ate it. Yeah. <laughs> and I have heard people say, oh, they only go after poisonous plants, so you can't eat the honey because it's poisonous. But I don't know how those guys would only know where the poisonous plants are. And I've seen them on non-poisonous plants. So I think that that's just an old wives' tale. That's their way of keeping you away from their Mexican honey, wasp honey. There you go. <laughs> They've got their stash going on. Exactly. <laughs> When those nests are full of honey, they are heavy. But when they leave, I have rarely heard of a nest that lasted or stayed in one spot for more than a year for whatever reason. I don't know if they die off or they just are like tramps and they move. But once they've abandoned a nest or you've killed it off, if you have to, squirrels and other animals will get in there and eat that and kind of clean it up and get rid of it. Or someone brings you one and you put it in your office and you get a huge infestation of ants that you're office mates don't like and you get in big trouble. Oh, and then oh you have no. to throw it away. I wouldn't know anything about something like that. Happening, <laughs> I feel like we've all been guilty of something like that at some point. Always. <laughs> <laughs> Wizzy, you, you've mentioned a few times now that wasps are also beneficial, that they like eat other things. Are there some like specific examples of how or when they're beneficial and how important are they, are they as pollinators as compared to some of our bees? It's not that the adult wasps are eating these insects. What they're usually doing is they are going out stinging whatever insect they're choosing or sometimes spiders in the case of mud daubers, which we'll talk about in a minute. But they're going to be taking that back to feed to their babies. It's certainly going to be beneficial because they're controlling insects within the landscape to feed to their young. 
And as far as pollination, the adults feed on nectar. So they're going to be visiting around to the flowers to feed on that nectar. And while they don't have as many hairs on their body as bees, they're not fuzzy or anything. That's actually how you can kind of tell the difference between bees and wasps. Wasps tend not to have all of these fuzzy hairs on their body, whereas bees do. But still, wasps do have some hairs on their body, and they're going to pick up pollen as they are visiting those flowers to get nectar, and they can transfer that to other other flowers as they're going along. Some of these are going to be targeting spiders. Mud daubers, which are some of my favorite wasps, they actually collect a lot of spiders and provision their nests with spiders. So these ones are going to be, I would say, medium-sized wasps, and they're the ones that have that really, really long, thin thread waist with the bulbous abdomen on the end, and they come in different colors. These are going to be different. They don't make a paper nest. They make a nest out of mud. And in my opinion, these ones are really, really docile. I mean, they just are so chill. Now, if you grab it and hold it in your hand, yes, it's going to sting you. But when somebody grabs you and tries to hold you still, you're going to struggle and try to get away as well. With mud daubers, they go and they collect mud from different areas and they'll use that to make this little mud nest. And then they go out and sting spiders and paralyze them and cram them in that nest and they lay eggs on it. And once everything is provisioned and they've laid those eggs in there, they close off that mud nest and they abandon it. They're done at that point. It's like, there's my parental care is now finished, which, you know, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice sometimes? (laughs) Like, all right, I'm out. (laughs) You're born. Here's your food supply for the next few months. Peace. I'm done. (laughs) You just come on out of the I've done my job. (laughs) Lizzie, I've always heard that you want to keep them around because they love black widow spiders. But is there any real evidence or that's a preferred food source? If you have a large widow population, that's what your stuff is going to be crammed full of. And this is one of those things, it can be a fun activity to do. If you have those mud nests, you can actually open them up and break them open and see what stuff they have provisioned in there. Be aware if you are an arachnophobe, you might not want to do that (laughs) because you'll see all the spiders that are in the habitat. So with mud daubers, the other cool thing that I find about them is depending upon the species they will make different kinds of mud nests. The one that's really common around my area is the one, it it just looks like somebody took a ball of mud and threw it against the house and it's just like a glob sitting there. Oh, wow. But there are some that make these elaborate looking pots. They're actually called potter wasps and it looks like a wheel thrown pottery pot. It's amazing. And then there's of course the ones that make the organ tubes those are the ones we frequently have here in East Texas. I mean, there's just so many of them and they're just so cool. And I always try to make sure that somewhere in my landscape, I keep an area of open ground that is moist so they can actually have mud to make those nests. So if you want these in your landscape, then that might be something that you want to encourage with them. I'd like to pretend like I intentionally keep a part of my turf dead with mud as well, but it's really <laughs> not intentional. <laughs> but now I can feel a little better about it. I can tell my wife, yeah, no, no, no. We want to keep that part not doing well with mud so we can encourage mud daubers. 
Exactly. Well, you can also say it's for ground dwelling bees because, you know, a lot of native bees will nest in the ground and they need open areas like that. So yeah, there's always an excuse for dead grass. In my <laughs> Perfect. We can find you one. If you need one, <laughs> give you. us a yell. We will let you know what you can tell your HOA or husband <laughs> or wife or significant. If you can give me a little just... eight ball that I can just spin to give me a new excuse of why a certain part of my turf is dead, then that'd be great. Just... Oh, the insect magic eight ball. That <laughs> yeah. would be fantastic. Perfect. The last one that I want to cover are the cicada killers. These are what I call the wasps on steroids because they are huge compared to the other wasps that we have here in Texas. And they get inch and a half, two inches when they're fully grown. And a lot of people get really freaked out by these. But the thing is, the females are really fairly docile. Again, as long as you don't grab them or try to smack them with your hand, they're going to leave you alone. The males, on the other hand, are territorial and rather aggressive. But males cannot sting. But if you're walking through your yard and you have these giant two-inch wasps kind of buzzing around in your face, it can be somewhat intimidating. With the male wasp, essentially they are establishing their territory and trying to hang out there so they can grab whatever females to mate with. So if you just continue walking and get out of their space, then they're going to leave you alone. And they can't sting you anyway. How can you be sure that it's not just a female whose nest you've just been close to? Females are going to be a little bit larger, but when you see a huge wasp, you're really not getting out the tape measure. Pull out, measure. Yeah, pull out your measuring tape. Let me, let me see them, if yeah. this is a female or a male. And the, the cool thing I think about cicada killers is the males actually have this little extension on the tip of their abdomen that looks like a stinger. So you cannot really tell them apart from the females. But again, don't swat at them. Don't try to catch them with your hand. Just keep on walking and get out of their space and you're going to be good to go. And the females don't really have a nest. They're solitary. So it's just where they're laying their eggs and then provisioning food for their babies. So you can kind of almost get right up on the hole that you see them crawl into. The males, it's just a different attitude they have. They're buzzing around your head and they're whipping past your face. And the females are loud, but they go past you one time and then they don't come back. Okay. They've got other things to do. Yeah. Females, they're busy. They're trying to actually do some work. Uh, and the males are just hanging around slacking. Hey, bullies. Hey, hey, what are we talking about here? We're still talking about, talking about wasps or what's going on? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it may apply to other things too. <laughs> but cicada killers are going to be like Molly said, they aren't really nesting. It's more of their nursery. So they create that hole in the ground and they have that tunnel that goes down there and multiple females can share that same tunnel. And then they'll put little mm. offshoot mm. tunnels off of that main tunnel. And the females will go out and sting a cicada and then they lug it up to a tree to get high up on a surface and then cruise back to the nest. And they will cram those cicadas in those little offshoot tunnels. And once they get it provisioned, 
for males or female eggs, whatever they're going to lay in there, males typically get like one to two cicadas, whereas female eggs are going to get two to three. Once they do that, they'll lay an egg in there and then they close off that tunnel and then they'll repeat that process. So you will have multiple cicada killer wasps developing off of that one hole that you have in your lawn. So if you've had cicada killers in your lawn the previous year, you most likely are going to have them again because you have them developing underground. Again, they're not a bad thing because if you leave the wasps alone, they're going to essentially leave you alone and they're going to help to manage the cicada populations that are in the trees and whatnot. The cicada killers are going to kind of lead into the wasp that we do not have here in Texas. Let me repeat. We do not have the wasp that we are getting ready to talk about in Texas. And that is the Asian giant hornet. Oh, do we have those in Texas? Yes. No, we do not. (laughs) (laughs) Nowhere near Texas even. Like as far away from Texas and still be in the United States as you could imagine. Yes, exactly. So Asian giant hornet is found in Washington state in the U.S. And that is the only location that it has currently been found within the United States. And they are monitoring for the population and spread. And when they find those colonies, they are taking steps to kill those colonies off. Did you guys completely freak out with all of the calls that you were getting last year when this all hit? I didn't freak out, but people freaked out. Any tiny wasp, beetles sometimes, balls of lint in the corner of their house. I mean, so many odd things that people thought were Asian giant hornets and it was on the media and in the media and people were noticing things, but any insect that seemed kind of large, they assume that's exactly what it was. Well, and media didn't help because they, they termed it the murder hornet. And that just made things even worse because people saw the murder and it's like, we're all going to die. Let's panic. (laughs) And it was like, you know, the year of epidemic after epidemic in 2020, you know, so like something first, like crazy forest fires everywhere. And then it was the actual global pandemic. And then it was, you know, which pandemic card is next and uh, the murder hornet seemed like there was a bit of a lull, you know, so the news cycle needed something new to strike out there. So murder hornet hit. I think I got mostly other wasps and especially cicada killers that people were sending me saying that they were really worried that they were the murder hornet or the Asian giant hornet more appropriately. And that's, I think, understandable because I think there was a lot of panic in the news and then people were starting to pay more attention to these wasps. And there are these very large wasps that all of a sudden they were worried uh, was in their backyard. And I think for some reason, at least in our area, there were more cicada killer wasps in the summer of 2020. So it was like the perfect storm for people to assume that that was the Asian giant hornet. Everybody was at home at that Mm -hmm. point. And so they were more aware of all of the insects that were in their house and in their yard and all of that. And so it was just like, I'm seeing all these bugs. This is a problem. It's like, no, they're normally there. It's just, you're never home. (laughs) So what's, what's the deal with them? I mean, at first it seemed like they might not establish, but now as I understand it, they are kind of established in Washington state. Right. 
there's, I guess, the potential to move. Kind of what is their their possibility of eventually ending up in Texas and what is the impact that they could have? We have an Asian giant hornet task force through the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. And Molly is on that task force. So I'm going to toss this to her because she should be up on the latest and greatest. So we're not doing anything in Texas. We're not trapping or anything like that. But up in Washington, they are. They're using a lot of kind of cool technology. They're tracking these wasps somehow back to their nest. I think they collect them, maybe put a tracker on them, and they go back to the nest. And they are able to kill the nests. And you can Google pictures of people that have done it. But they're like in these giant spacesuits because a bee suit is not thick enough, and they can sting through that. And they've been successful, I think, in eliminating those nests and doing a really good job of figuring out where the new populations have popped up. But the thinking is that they're foraging pattern is, and their natural spread is very, very slow. So if that's the way they get to Texas, it's going to take a long, 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 long time. They're not going to jump from there to here. And then what we think is probably going to be the way that they spread is us moving things, items, storage containers, things like that, that they like to overwinter in as queens. But also I had read that the USDA believes that they were probably initially introduced kind of maliciously. That's one of the theories that somebody brought them over for medicinal purposes or just for like bioterrorism. So that's kind of interesting. And if that's the case, then they they can show up in weird places pretty much anywhere. I read something that there are people that eat the larvae and that people would have them ship in so they can eat the the larvae. Well, that'd make them into murder hornets. I mean, shoot, (laughs) who's eating their babies? Exactly. And so, okay. So murder hornet, these, these are not murdering people. Although there are cases of deaths from being stung by these wasps in their native areas. But just like we have cases of people who die from a paper wasp sting that they were allergic to or getting into TVs or yes. So it's not car accidents. We don't call them murder cars. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) These are essentially more of a threat to commercial beekeepers. And they are going to essentially attack those honeybee colonies and kill them off so they can steal the brood and honey and resources and everything out of the colony. From my understanding, the honeybees that we use in our commercial colonies don't have the capability of fending off the Asian giant hornets when they do attack. Yeah, they're just so much bigger than them, so much more aggressive. And they can decapitate a honeybee with just one little bite. The Asian giant hornet's head is almost as big as the whole honeybee is. They're just huge wasps. Again, I just want to reiterate, Asian giant hornet, not in Texas. But again, if you are concerned about something you see, please let us know. Take a picture of it. Do not try to capture it and possibly harm yourself in the process. The take home for wasps is that they are beneficial. They're going to help control those insects in your landscape. They're going to help with pollination And as long as they're nesting in a location where you don't really have to worry about a stinging incidence, then I say just leave them alone and they're going to do their thing and you can do yours. This is Bugs by the Yard and we are with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Department of Entomology. Thanks so much for tuning in and we hope to catch you next time.